I Love Mortgage Brokering, Episode 8. If you're prepared to take your mortgage business to the next level, there is only one place to go. I Love Mortgage Brokering with your host, Scott Peckford. Hi, Broker Nation. I am thrilled to introduce our guest today, Glenn Kellaway. Glenn is a mortgage broker with Mortgage Architects based out of Maple Ridge. He's been a broker for 11 years. How's it going, to Glenn, today? Hey, it's going great. It's going great. Got a referral in from some marketing we were doing, and uh, last night, last thing, so keep my fingers crossed, that's a seven or $800,000 Vancouver mortgage, so we'll go on that. Uh, my assistant is just uh, we're talk- we're talking to the client and getting the rest of the data right now. It's nice. Your work's, um, being, your work's being done while you're talking to me. I, you know what? Uh, that's, that, that's one of the keys to success is knowing to do what you do best and write a check for the rest. Oh, I, I like that. I gotta, I'm going to borrow that line for sure. Okay, how about first, tell us a little bit about yourself and your business. Okay. I got in a little bit about myself. I'm 53 years old. I um, sat the real estate course about 22 years ago in British Columbia. It's the real estate mortgage brokers, uh, mortgage or real estate salesperson mortgage subbrokers course. And from there, I didn't do anything with it. Uh, my wife was in real estate, working for a firm as uh, the marketing person for a project uh, project marketing firm, which ultimately became Dan Ulam uh, Durrani Project Marketing, responsible for the sale of a couple of a couple of buildings here in Hong Kong, and in one day, an entire two hundred plus units. Um, so I I didn't start in real estate that way. My mom had been in real estate for years. I just it didn't feel like it was the right thing. So I went into the tech industry. Um, and I've got great construction experience and all this academics and blue collar. And then I was in sales and got downsized a couple of times towards the end of the dot bomb. And I said, you know what? I'm tired of working for other people. I'm going to go back and look at real estate. My daughter, who is now 12 years old, was just a couple months old when I got downsized. And uh, I've been working with a, with a guy on a construction site who had ultimately gone back and become a mortgage broker. I touch base with him, and he says, "Come on over to this side of the fence. Don't do that real estate, uh, real estate agent thing." And so I went and relicensed, sat down, wrote the course, relicensed, and joined a small boutique firm on Vancouver Island. And that's how I got to where I am now. They decided they didn't want any external brokers; they just wanted in-house people on the sales team for them. And uh, I ended up with Mortgage Architects at that point. I guess it's about eight years ago now. And so tell me a little bit about your office. So how is your setup you got for assistance and that sort of thing? Oh, uh, office setup here. We have actually chosen to work from what I call is my home. We custom, custom uh, basically ripped apart the basement and turned it into the potential space for up to eight workstations here. Um, but we've only got three of us working full time here. That would be Serena, who is my licensed underwriter, and Heather, my spouse, who is also licensed but does marketing administrative files to head office does a lot of stuff they clear the deck so i can talk on the phone essentially okay great yeah so you have a a, it's great to have a team that's for sure if you really want to get any kind of traction or volume in this business you cannot do everything yourself that's what i've been noticing talking to other brokers so and you have to have some sort of processes in place and you're very, I know, I've known you for a while and I know you're very process driven, so I'm excited to chat with you about these uh, processes. But before I get to that last question about the business is, so A, B split. So what is your split of A to B business and has it changed in the last year? Oh, A to B business, B business probably runs about seven or eight, uh, about five to five to 10%. And I, you know what, that's something that I've really got to track 
Um, I'm looking at doing more metrics this year, which sounds crazy because a lot of people that know me know I'm pretty geeky with spreadsheets and stuff. But I actually haven't broken it down, so I'm actually looking to break that down and, and look at more metrics and figure out where we need to put a little bit more energy into one thing or another, renewals or, or uh, you know, what's our conversion ratio on our, uh, on our pre-approvals, what's our conversion ratio on our approvals that come first pass into, the, into, the, into our data. Um, but uh, the AB business, B is where I think I'm going to put some more focus in going forward considering CMHC's recent rule changes. Yeah, I, I'm actually surprised that you don't you didn't give me a, a number like 5.72 because you're so you're, you're very precise. So I, I'm actually a little bit stunned that you didn't have that like quick. So <laughs> I I've got it. I just got to just got to extract it. I, I know what my volume is per lender uh, based on some worksheets. So I can go back and look at that. Um, it's, I'm not looking at those numbers right now. What I got to look at is how much energy we're going to put out to generating dollars. So we're starting to we're starting to look at things um, that we're doing. Say, uh, I got someone who sends me, does a great job, sends me a referral. I sent him out a, a thank you card with uh, five cards that are personally labeled. Referral for, uh, or it's just referred by John Smith on the card. Thanks for, uh, referred, anyway. So John's on the card. I send John that. I send him a Timmy's card, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, whatever. And that, so we've got a whole, we're trying to do things in campaigns and chunks to say, okay, after the year, because my database will then track that, after a year, how many dollars did we spend? How many cards did we spend out? How many pieces of business did we get back? So trying to uh, put some metrics around that. Um, treat this more as a business as opposed to a job. Right. You got to get a return on. Figure out your return on your investment for those different marketing strategies. Yeah. So before we dig into your story, I always like to start with a success quote. So I love quotes. I love, you already, you already used two actually that I wrote down. One of them was do what you do best and write a check for the rest. And then you said, well, it wasn't really a quote, but you said the dot bomb. And I never actually heard it. I, I've never heard it called that. I know it's probably everywhere, but I was like, oh, I love that language. So share a quote that has impacted your business. And then if you could give me an example of when you've applied the, this quote to your business. Um. You know, I've come up with a few. I, recently, I saw Chris Hadfield speak, um, and uh, but a signed copy of a book I read through his book. And one of the things he referenced in, and it has to do with flying, attitude determines your altitude. Attitude is where your nose is pointing on the plane. If the nose is pointing down, you're going to be losing altitude. If it's pointing at the horizon, you're going to maintain it. If it's pointing above the horizon, then you're going to be climbing, uh, assuming you have enough of everything else, power and all of the other things that you'd need. So attitude determines altitude. So trying to say, you know what, as marketing to that realtor, they said no, they're going to go work with a couple of bank reps. You know, sorting jobs. Uh, there's, a, there's a sales expression that comes out. I've got lots of them. Um, some will, some won't. So what next? And you've got to just release and let go and get past the fact that someone didn't do business with you, they didn't take your mortgage, and find out how you can make lemonade from lemons. And it's an expression I use with a lot of clients. I said, um, and I try and put things into pictures with clients. I said, I said, it's not that you can't buy. You're at a red light. You know a red light will, is only there for a period of time, and then you get to go ahead. You might not be able to go on the street you want because there's some traffic jam or roadblock, but we will get to you to your destination. So attitude determines altitude. What you're thinking about is going to determine, uh, and out of that, what you're thinking about is going to determine what's going to come out of the person's mouth. So if you think negative things about the file and the problems and all this, I, I guarantee you, the, the borrower is going to come up with something or that's coming out of your thing in your head. Um, there's a couple of other ones I really, really like, and I said this to uh, Ted Cadigan re, uh, many, many years ago, and it has to do with what we do in our business. 
30 seconds of documentation saves me 30 minutes of aggravation. Actually, it's more like three to four hours or days. Um, but we do it ourselves, and the underwriters do it to us back. That You say, so was this good enough? And they say, yes. Well, you kind of, you got to be clear, and that's something rather there. So, you know what, there's lots of, I could give you lots of quotes, but attitude determines altitude is the one that's on my cell phone right now when I pop up my screen. And where did you get that one from again? It was, it was a quote out of Chris Hatfield's book, um, Astronaut's Guide to Living on Earth, I think is what the title was. I should know it, but... That's all. I love that. There's there's quite a bit of good stuff in there. I love the metaphor of the stoplight and it's red and you, maybe you get to go down. You're really good at painting word pictures and helping people kind of understand things that you know that can be emotional. But I've I've always liked uh, hearing your the, 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 I, and I love metaphors. So I'm I'm kind of I'm a geek that way. So yeah, I, I, in my database, so I try. If I I realize the person's not person I spoke to last night is a very director personality, they're not a relator or socializer, so I've marked their file with that. So next time I'm engaging that person in conversation, I'm going to kind of tighten up what it is we do and what we say. Yeah, that, so, that, that that doesn't surprise me that you have the you lay, you have them labeled as the personality type. So what I want to move to next is a, a failure. I know that for me, I've made some mistakes over the last you know t- time being an entrepreneur and being a mortgage broker. Can you share a time that you had made a mistake and then the lesson that you'd learned from it? Um, I thought about that, you know, and uh, there's lots of little things that fail that we do that are failures and in each and every day. And um, let me just think about this for a moment. Um, with, with respect to failures, I would say probably the, the, one of my failures that held me back for a period of time was getting the right assistant and not being willing to fire someone right away. And, um, and taking a long time to fire. I had an assistant who took three, uh, basically three tries to get the mortgage brokers course done. And, Ultimately, I hired Serena in here, and uh, she passed the course in three months. Um, and then I said, I need you to underwrite files, and I started training her. It took me two and a half to three years. She's about 80% or 90% now. Um, she can process everything, but there's so much, Scott, as you know, in this industry that just takes years and years and files to look at because I relate back to Chris Hatfield's book again. It's, it's finding the little things that are going to screw up and then blow up the deal. Uh, we're not astronauts. We're not going to blow up re- on re-entry or going into space, but our deal is going to blow up, and then we're going to lose relationships and lifetime value of clients. So it's, it takes a long time to learn all of the bits in this business. So if you were to boil it, that's a great lesson, actually. I've done that myself, hiring people, the, the, hiring the wrong people. So what's your advice to somebody or that's thinking about hiring or in the process of hiring? What's, what would you say to them? Well, I'm not the expert on that, and I've, now I'm, I, Heather and I had worked on that, and I'd relied on Heather to help out with that process because she'd done a lot of management in various areas. But I think right now, if I was to go and hire someone, I would probably, con- I have a business coach, so I would probably get my business coach to go in, I'd do some, I'd probably spend a few hundred bucks when I shortlisted it down to a few, few people. It's worth thousands of dollars to you if you screw up. Um, it's so, so important. And you can find the right person, but you've got to find the right personality match. As we all know in this industry, we hire people who look like us, walk like us, talk like us, and that's, we've got another person that's going out to generate another piece of business. We've got to hire people who like to do certain key aspects, and 
not necessarily like the Gerber model. You've got to you've got to build that in place. Or the Keller Williams Millionaire Real Estate is another book out there that talks about building a team, and the team has specific roles and responsibilities, and they do what they like to do. Um, I like to get on the phone and talk. If I can get on the phone and work numbers out and do stuff, but I'm also the geek in the office. So when something crashes or something other, it's okay. I like, I, but it's not what I, it's not what generating dollars. So I outsource that. So lots of things there, but biggest thing is when you go to hire, get some additional external help to hire. I think that would be my next hire we do. I will hire. I will hire someone else to help me hire someone in my office. Yeah, that, that's good advice. There's a proverb that I love. It says, many advisors bring success. And so it's this idea that no one has the, that's part of the reason I like doing this podcast is because you, you talking to other people, getting other inputs will give you a better outcome and just, a, you know, a clearer picture of what, and you're right, a bad hire could, you know, the time wasted and the money and man, it's just, it's, it's can be a very painful thing. It's worth at least half of their annual salary if it's a screw up. Oh, for I mean, sure. and, and it doesn't mean that they've blown up a file for you. It's the rehiring process. It's the time you have to take out to go through all of that interview process and then the training that goes in. And uh, most people don't think that this industry requires training, but you and I both know how many years did it take you to get to know a good chunk of the business. And then if you want to talk about construction mortgages, maybe you don't. If you want to talk about commercial mortgages, you want to talk about private business. To know this business well and on a big scale, you have to do the business, and you can't just do one mortgage every six months or something. You've got to do a bunch of them in a bunch of geographic areas to, to gain that incremental little bit of experience. It's like taking the kid on a soccer pitch that's got you know an 8 out of 10 on there. To get him to an 8.5 or 9 is a lot more difficult. There's a lot more work to refine their skills or martial arts, as you know, to get to there. But to take them from a white belt up to the first level, they just have to learn a few skills, and that's easy to do. But getting them to the top end, that's more and more work. It's just numbers. Yeah, it, does, it definitely takes longer to go from the, you know, understanding something at 80% to 90 or 95 just because of the amount of time and, and effort. So I'm going to switch. This actually segues perfectly into the next question because it sounds like hiring somebody should have a process. I know that successful mortgage brokers have processes. They have administrative, you know, that processes that help for the paperwork. They have sales processes. What I want to ask you about is an administrative process that you have and that you've tweaked. The other, because I've noticed that mortgage brokers will adjust if they're good. They'll make adjustments because things don't work always the same way, and you've got to be willing to pivot. And so, can you share with us an example of an administrative process that you tweaked and what sort of outcome you got? Yeah, we. One of the things we had, um, we run a, we store all the documents on our server. Um, and uh, so we store them here because, and then our office can access them, got a fast network in the office. But the thing I was finding was everyone had their own hodgepodge way of naming files and of setting up the, the actual file system. So I set up a way to do it and I've written down the process, but the problem is when something's written down and you give someone several steps to do it, no one will follow exactly what you've set. I mean, even I and you might not follow our own process properly. But if you build a tool to do that, we built a tool to take a master set of folders, which has got, and basically it's got a, an admin folder for everything that's going to go to head office. It's got a task one, an out box, a task two, and an out two, and then it's got a raw docs folder. That sounds like a lot of stuff. And then it's got our worksheets in there and our underwriting sheets and everything else. 
So I sent my one of my techs on a, a path to do that. He wrote this tool for me. I click one button on my taskbar, it pops up. It's uh, and it's already preloaded with where the template folder is. Grabs the template folder, labels it up in such a way that I can look at any one of those folders. I can have a dozen or two dozen folders open on my on my desktop. Like right now, if I click on it, and I can see which which folder it belongs to John Smith John and then I can open up a bunch of worksheets because we use worksheets to process things before we actually dump all the information into Biologics. A little bit more time, but a lot more plasticity and I can actually work that much better in a screen share when I do a meeting with a client online. Um, so three things that we've done with that. One is, one is we standardize how we, how we link documents to the actual um, file. So when I go to a client's record in my contact management system, I can launch a folder that's got all their documents from 2014 or 2012 or 2009. I can launch that. The folders are all the same structure. They're all named the same sort of way. The files are all named the same sort of way. And now when the client sends me documents, 50-page fax or scans up the documents and it's got some goofy number on it that has nothing to do with the payroll statement, we have a standardized way of naming that. So we created an Excel spreadsheet that just basically a plunk in the person's name at the top and it, it fills in all of the things. You can go payroll statement, John, so it says income, John. And when I look down the list of documents, 20, 30, 40, 50 documents in the client's process documents folder, I'll see the stuff that's to be signed, TBS. Those are documents that we maybe got a mortgage approval in or there's something else I need them a credit authorization. It's there. And once it's processed, it's up in a section, and I can literally glance through any folder going back over the last fifteen or the last five to ten, five plus ten years. If I and I go back and I can find the same sequence of documents, so it becomes idiot proof. What we found was, if we want to go back, client calls me up two years later and says, "Oh, by the way, I want to do this." I had to go back and try and find their other documents, and I spent we were spending probably two to three hours a month just going and finding old documents and trying to figure out where they were and opening them up and then getting interrupted and going to something else and then going back and trying to find it. Now, Scott, I tell you, that has been one of the biggest godsends to have a standardized naming procedure for your documents. Uh, that's probably the best thing that I've ever done. You know, actually, I, I remember you told me about that a while ago, and I, I, I've kind of done it not to the degree that you have, but I created a templated folder that I have the different, I put different documents in the folders, and when I get a new client, I just copy and rename it and then I it create it basically does it all for me but yeah I, I agree with you there's can be a lot of time wasted for yourself or your administrators or or you just look like you know what a client calls you want you want to look like you know what you're talking about and if you're having to dig around looking for things and it just doesn't it does not it doesn't make you a professional if you're if you can't find stuff there's there and literally client called me up and because they've got multiple rental properties I mean, you and I both know how many people out there, this is blowing my own horn, but how many people out there can go click on it and go, okay, so you still own the property on Smith Street, there's one on Jones, uh, and I can basically start a new worksheet, grab the old stuff, we can update stuff, update, you sold that one, and with in a phone call, in that phone call, with very little prep time, I can give the client some sort of information based on what was two years ago. It just like very, very quick. So that in itself, being able to get the data, and update the data makes it so much faster. I mean, if we do that as brokers, even halfway, the bank can't touch us. I mean, the banks have to go in, you have to book an appointment, you have to do all of that sort of stuff. I mean, it just makes us that much better.
Right. Yeah, I love it. So anybody listening, if you have don't have a process, I we highly recommend that you start to develop one. And the sooner the better so that 10 years from now you can go back and find that whatever you need. So the next, I just want to change gears from the administrative to a sales process. So just talk about a sales process that you've recently uh, been using and that and maybe an adjustment you made and what sort of outcome you, you got. Okay. Um, a few, uh, a couple of years ago, we had our uh, conference in Calgary and, uh, and Greg Williams was out there and he was doing his stuff and I know I needed to change up my sales process. So I got to give him a touch of credit there. Um, it's taking some of his ideas and I think it's like anything there's nothing's absolutely new out there but some people well you know this one the the the, the teacher will appear when the student is ready is a, is a proverb I think it's an Asian Asian proverb um, but the idea right now so I looked at that looked at what was happening and we changed up our sales process a little bit more with the help of Serena on board, um, client calls in, we get basic data, we schedule, a, I do a quick fact find if they've got five or 10 minutes. It's more about a relationship building, finding out where they are, finding out their hot points, finding out if they are working with their bank, if they're pre-approved, I don't care. I mean, I used to bother me, but you know what? It's a potential for doing business. You gotta know how to handle it. Um, and uh, in dealing with that, I set up the expectation as to what we're going to do. What is our value proposition uh, in that five or ten minutes? Hand them off to Serena. Serena does her magic with them. They become very impressed with her follow through and follow up. And then we go back and we do it. Uh, so we then go back and do a bit of a, a light strategy session. We talk about getting them pre-approved, what their capacity is to buy, because I don't want to talk about that in that fact find. I said, we'll get our documents and I want to see what your documents are. I want to know. I don't want to guess. Um, I've seen that go bad too many times. Not in my files. People come in crisis to me because someone else has made a mistake. Um, so I'm trying to fix someone else's mistake. So we don't like to make mistakes. And I impress clients with that. So in doing that, I do a quick fact find. I explain that there's exit penalties. We'll do a strategy session when it comes close to the buy. I'm talking about a pre-approval going to a purchase. So we send them out shopping. I find out if they're going to go to their bank. I use Greg Williams shopping around form and basically set them up there to go into their bank and ask them all of those questions. And I usually throw a couple more in there and ask them to do that. And then I always, if they are going to go into their bank, I follow up with them after they've gone to the bank and say, how did that go? Or how did it go with the call center? You know, were they able to answer the questions? Were they able to talk to you about that? How are they going to support you long term? So that's part of the sales process. It's called a wedge technique. Um, and then what we do is so there. So and then ultimately, when they do find their place, we sit down and we go through what are the key options for, for the clients. We usually look at a long and a short, explain the options, pro con, break even point if you're going to take the long versus the short. Um, look at variable, look at risk, and then I go through a cash flow analysis and I talk to them about where their cash flow is. I talk to them about that process. So it's not just here's your here's your hamburger, eat it. It's okay. Is this right for you? Should you? be adding the salad or the fries. I'm talking about helping them make good decisions. Uh, one of my favorite things to, to talk to clients about is, I had a client call in, and I knew they came from a certain referral source, and there was a, there was a strong connection to their congregation, and they had a big tithe to church, 900 bucks a month. And then just out of intuitiveness, I said, are you giving money elsewhere? What else other money is going on? These guys could buy an 850 or $900,000 property based on income and, and equity. And, I, and they're putting $900 out to the congregation and 1000 bucks out to, their, out to their parents to help them, support them. That's 1900 bucks. Now, 
the tithe is a, about a 40% tax credit, if I remember correctly. It, you and I both know that they wouldn't be able to, if they're buying at the maximum level based on an income, a down payment, they're going to be cash crunch. So we gave them the idea as to where they could be comfortable. And that's the other thing I do with the value. So that's in that consulting session. And that seems to have, that's creating bond. I can't think of maybe one deal in the last three or four years that I have lost at the lawyer's office. I haven't lost one. So... That's, that's I, I love that. That's a that's a brilliant. Uh, I love. I've been thinking. I've talked to Greg Nowick about this, and he does the cash flow analysis. And I think because the the number that we get, you know, the GDS TDS limits really don't factor in what other priorities someone has, and so it's very arbitrary in a sense that well, you can have thirty nine percent, you know, GDS if your credit is appropriate. And and to me, looking at the cash flow will really then like in this. Yeah, that's a I, it's. I'm telling you that's something I'm going to I'm going to implement. So I appreciate you repeating this. I've heard it two or three times and I'm a slow learner, but I'm totally going to implement well, a cash flow analysis. I think it's that important. I, I got a government worker moving from somewhere here in Maple Ridge over to Vancouver Island and uh, the, they're moving over there. He's got a full time job. Wife doesn't. She's been working as a, a contractor in the same industry, same area that they're in. Um, I, we can jam their ratios right up because I know she's going to walk into a forty thousand dollar a year job over there. She doesn't have guaranteed. So even if she earns twenty thousand bucks, so I can show them what that is. I mean, even I'll say this right now: it's a great idea. I got a couple going out. I know wife's earning seventy thousand. He uh, husband's earning forty. She's going off on mat leave, and I show them what happens to the cash flow when she goes from 70000 to twenty four or twenty five or 26000 which is the EI income, I said, you guys are going to be cash crunched. You guys got to have some money set aside. Here's the money, and then my spreadsheet will allow them to, I, I talk about trickling in two to $300 a month or four or 500 to get their ratios to balance. So I said, if you have this contingency fund, you'll be able to manage. You might not need all of that because you know, you're not buying lunches and other things and paying for vehicles if you're home. But I tell you, you got diapers, you got other things there. So we talk about all of those things. We talk about taking vacations, putting money away, and having some comfort. Um, it's not happening out there. I mean, it's not happening for for a large percentage of the population to understand. They don't understand money. This is this is yeah I totally agree. This is why I love the thing about being a mortgage broker is that if you do it right and if you you know take the time to educate clients and there's yeah we definitely to me I you know nothing against our bank brethren but I really think that brokers if they're doing it right can do a better job because we have more time also to spend with the client and with the focus that we we can focus on just you know the cash flow and the mortgage and not have to worry about car loans and RSPs and all these other things that. That they have to focus on. So, but you're what you're talking about. Obviously, looking at someone's lifestyle really segues into my next question, which is more personal for you. But so, how do you run uh, your busy mortgage practice and manage a family, and you know, keep time for everything? Well, you have kids. I have kids. We both get involved with stuff. Um, we started late in life, having kids, just running into the 40, 40 years old bracket. So, the the thing I said to myself is. I mean, I'll take a lower remuneration to have uh, bring on staff here, and maybe you know Heather doesn't work forty hours a week; she works twenty or twenty-five, and I work probably more than that because I do appointments from eight thirty to nine o'clock at night. I coach soccer. I said I was going to get involved with my kids. I'm coaching a two spring teams right now: a U11 boys team and a U11 13, U11 14 girls team. I'm assisting 
Last year, I coached one team, but tried to make it to every one of that. So we're going five days a week. Coming this fall, we'll be going five practices a week and two games. It's crazy busy. So I bought, and I actually picked up. I'm playing on a, a mom to dad soccer uh, soccer team. Uh, so it, you know what? You got to get out there. You got to go and work in the garden. You got to do this stuff. You got to find some sort of balance. You got to realize that you can work your not fingers to the bone sort of deal, but um, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, to quote from a movie. <laughs> if you know the reference. I know the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, so you've got to figure out, and that's the one thing I tried to, I said to myself, is find some balance, because you will never, ever, ever, uh, when, you're, when you're in the latter years of your life, saying, I'm glad I took that extra hour and didn't spend it with my kid. I spent it working on that file. The client will never appreciate you. They'll appreciate you, but it's only for an instant. Your kid, you, you, you've got to give your kids and your family your presence, that physical presence as opposed to dollars presence. And, um, and that to me is most important. Uh, volunteer, do community stuff. I chartered a Rotary Club back in 2005 when my kids were young, but they, you know what, they, I, I can't make the weekly meetings and all of the commitments there because I got involved with helping my kids out with sports. Right, and then it, it kind of, you, yeah, it's a great way to start to, to build your own network, meet people, but also at the same time, hey, it's not just about meeting people, it's about doing time with your kid, and I know that for me, the times that I've volunteered and got involved in things, there's always business that just kind of happens by accident from it, and so it's like, oh, that's nice, but you're, ultimately the goal is to, be, you know, have that time with your with your kids and, and or whatever that you're helping out with, I totally agree, it's a, it's a great way to spend, you know, an afternoon or an evening. I, I, I'm there because of my kids, so it's not altruistic. But I'm also there as coaching. I've learned so much about coaching, which relates back to the mortgage business indirectly, that um, either my staff, uh, working with my spouse, which most people would say, you know, do a Dr. Phil moment, how that, how's that working for you? Um, all of that stuff relates back. So if you can look at every moment that you do something or other and find out where there's, relating back to Chris Hatfield, uh, what can go wrong? What did go wrong? What can I do to change that? Is it going to happen again? Do we need to do something different next time so it doesn't happen? So we get the outcome that we would like more of the outcome. Um, so it's there. But coaching has taught me a lot. And I've learned a lot from other people. Just like you and I, when we go to conferences, we learn a lot from other people. And I like what you're doing here because I'm going to listen to all those podcasts. Cool. Awesome. Well, great. You'll be, uh, I'll let you know when they'll be up very soon. So the, I'm going to move to the rapid fire question. So these ones you can answer with a little shorter answer if you like. The, sure. So the first question is, what do you think is the number one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? I would say uh, releasing control. They've got to hire staff. They've got to hire the right staff. What, what is the one? Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, releasing control. They want to be they're, they're the control freaks on the file. And you know what I mean. They've got to manage every little bit. They've got to be able to train people, trust them, just like you're on the – I relate back to coaching. You've got to trust your defense. It's going to get it. You've got to trust the forward. It's going to get it to where it is. You can't all crowd that. You can't all crowd that ball. You've got to give some space. So go and do – go, go – if it's a – and this is where I'm getting soccer, move to open, pick up the phone. Get in, get go doing something else. Let your admin do the do what they're supposed to do. Give them instructions. You can do it in ten minutes. It might take them twenty. You're like a metaphor master, Glenn. I, I I've always thought like people people who know me think I like metaphors a lot. But dude, you're you're it's ridiculous. So I, the next question is what what habit do you think has made you successful? 
what is what is making me more successful is doing what I do best, and and putting and and basically establishing establishing the pair setting the benchmarks, and uh, be aware that when you delegate, you also give up control. So you need to you need to do that with be mindful about it. Um, basically, check in and make sure what you've done what you've assumed is happening is happening. I love it. And so do you have an internet, so I know this is a great question for you, but is there like a software program or internet resource you use to make your business more successful? Uh, I got a, I got using uh, out of the dot bomb, we, we, uh, dot com dot bomb, we were, we were using, we we're doing some database stuff and I ended up getting plugged into a, a piece of tool called Goldmine. Uh, Goldmine is a contact management system like Act or Maximizer. Um, I had outsourced my tech to add fields and eventually said, heck with this. Actually, I used an expletive and I've gone and added probably about 150 fields to that and I've had my tech write automatic processes to do stuff. Our birthday campaign will be going out. Um, I've got some other marketing campaigns specifically to realtors. I know realtors who are involved. I know whether they refer, like there's a lot of stuff. It's G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. You've got to figure out what you need to know and whether it's worth doing that. But having the plasticity to basically say, did I follow up with this person on a phone call on their birthday out and be able to just go through and see that without trying to search some weird history. Like the tools are all around us. We just have to figure out how to use it. Is it a hammer or a screw? What is it can we use and do we need it? That's the other thing because I'll get geeked out on stuff waste too much time. Right. So if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? You know what? Um, uh, that's that's my I would say that's my weak point. I said I haven't read a whole lot of books recently. I bought them here with the intention to read. Uh, the one thing you know what I would I would uh, I would just as far as a Canadian hero is concerned, I would think I'd I'd go read Chris Hatfield's book. It's an easy read. You can knock it off in two or three days. And for us in this industry, it focuses in on sweating the small stuff. Uh, for astronauts, it's what's going to kill them. Um, and then getting a perspective on balance and life, and Chris gives you a few anecdotal things in there for family and whatnot that points back to do's and don'ts. Um, yeah, that would be, he refers to being a plus, a neutral, or a minus. In any given situation, are you a minus, you're taking away, are you neutral, you're not adding or that, or are you being a plus? And certain times you have to be a plus, and certain times you need to be neutral, but you definitely, 99.9% .9 of the time, don't want to be a minus. Right. That's good. And then, so the last question, which is one of my favorites. So let's say you decided to sell your business, sold your clients, and then you moved across the country to another place with the same size of Maple Ridge. And you think, oh, what was I thinking? I want to, I want to start a mortgage brokerage again, or I want to start in the mortgage business. What would be like the first three things that you would do if you were starting from scratch with, without your contacts and without your clients? Uh, first three things, I find out where I can do networking get plugged into local networking groups, whether it's Rotary or whatnot. Not that you're going to get business directly out, but you get to know the lay of the land. Um, realtors are a great source of business. They can be a vexation to our spirits, but they are a great source of business. They get it. Uh, financial planners would be probably that, if that's three. The third thing, fourth thing would be, besides knowing who and the lenders and the whatever the B and stuff, and then I, I chase down bank managers and stuff like that, and basically focusing in on the B business, the, the, the offcast from the bank and build that database. Use all of that stuff there to go and build a database over the first 90 days of people you can phone up and get, and get them to remember you. 
Okay, that's good. Good advice. Glenn, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. And I I love this. I'm going to listen to this podcast again because I know there's more stuff and I need to take out. And when I'm writing notes, I don't always get, I can't keep up and and pay attention at the same time. So so the last question is, are you guys hiring right now? Uh, You know what? I'm looking at bringing some brokers on uh, into here. I've got some bandwidth to do some training. Certainly we have some bandwidth in here that we can help them process files. They can go bird dog the files. I've got two or three people I've been talking to, but nothing has gelled yet. I've just, so far, I've just been running this myself, and I, I may hire, but it's not it's not been my mandate to do that. I've been doing, trying to build a business here internally. And so where can people find you online? Yeah, I'm the only mortgage broker in the entire world with the last name of Callaway. That's K-E-L-L-E-W-A-Y. And I have to say this, until such time as Serena, who is my uh, licensed assistant, takes my nephew's last name, and then there'll be two Callaways in the entire world who are in the mortgage broker business. There's actually another uh, Peckford in BC. There may be more in other places, but there's Monica Peckford, so it's pretty funny, but I have no relation to her. So yeah, you'll have two Callaways. So great, <laughs> possibly hiring. Thanks so much for sharing your insights. And Broker Nation, if you want to get checked out the show notes on this or any of the other shows, visit ilovemortgagebrokering.com. Thanks, Glenn. Have an awesome day. Thank you. If you are prepared to take your mortgage business to the next level, there is only one place to go. I Love Mortgage Brokering with your host, Scott Peckford. Hi, Broker Nation. If you enjoyed this interview, please take a minute, visit iTunes, and rate this podcast. If you do, you'll get three deals in the next month. Okay, that's not true, but I would really appreciate it. Also, I want to invite you to join me on a quest. After every episode, I personally take five minutes and think about one thing or one idea I can use to improve my mortgage business. I encourage you to do the same. Over the next 12 months, I plan to do 100 interviews and make 100 improvements. I'm going to track these to see how they impact my business and more importantly, my bottom line. Visit ilovemortgagebrokering.com and post in the show notes what one thing you plan to do differently after listening to this interview and check out what other brokers are sharing. Also, if you'd like to connect with me, fire me an email at scott at robyourbank.com. I love hearing from passionate mortgage professionals who are interested in improving their business. Until next time, rock on.